We're going to get started in uh, John chapter 4 in a moment, but I do have a question for us uh, before we get started. Uh, we're doing, those who are visiting tonight, I see some visitors tonight, so glad to have you here tonight. Um, uh, we're doing a series on doctrine, and I'm calling it Doctrine 101. Uh, doctrine is the healthy teachings that come from God's Word, uh, uh, the word dogma, the things that are absolutes within the Word of God, things that are the same yesterday, today, and forever. They've always been and always will be absolute truth. They don't change. Why is it so important for you and I as Christians to study doctrine? Why are you here tonight knowing that we're going to be talking about dogma, doctrine? Many of these things you've studied out for yourself. Some of you have uh, been saved like longer than I've been alive. And that's a good thing. Uh, and you know it well. And yet you come and you're ready to dig in yet a little bit more. And some are maybe not quite that old. And you're here, maybe some of you are learning for the first time some of these doctrines. Why is this important to us? Okay, so it creates a foundation. Okay, so this foundation then we can build if the foundation is wrong. That's a good analogy. It refreshes those who have maybe studied it before. Yep. We need to know the corrections, the, the things that are correct about God. That's right. Right on. Yep. Somebody else had their hand up? Oh, we got lots of them. Yes. Okay, it does put a protection on us, doesn't it? And even with... Um, sometimes, quote-unquote, Christian literature sometimes can be way off in steering in the wrong direction, and it, it enables us to know the Word well enough to know what is right and wrong, even from your preacher. Seriously, because I am not perfect. And because of that, there will be things that you say, eh, I see, right here's the verse. One of my uh, great blessings that I had when I was first a preacher was uh, uh, Kurt Wessel. And there were times as a young preacher, of course, I was 20-something, so I knew everything. And there were times after I was done preaching, he'd say, hey, uh, the blueberries are on right now. Why don't you come on down and make some blueberry pancakes for you? So we'd get down, and he'd pull me to the side and say, hey, you know that message you had? <laughs> and he would sit, and he would begin to show me some things that, I was wrong. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. But the thing is, he needed to share with me, and he'd walk me through the scriptures of what I missed. And it was like college for me, you know, all over again, that I could learn uh, from him to indoctrinate uh, me. Uh, Nathan, you had your hand up too? I think somebody else did too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or my preacher says, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So to be able to prove what we believe and why we believe it to a lost world or to our neighbor that may be a Christian that are they're, they're struggling, and we can give them some facts about the Lord. Somebody else had the hand up, I think, too, back here. Maybe not. Oh, yes, sir. Hey, the same thing. Okay. Good minds think alike. I think that's what we're supposed to Al? Mm -hmm. So it shows us what is it that God is, 
so that we can simulate, as God is our example, what he wants us then to be. Right on. Good. Those are all great answers. And, and we all have motives. And, and a month from now, you may have different answers even. But this is really important. Uh, the first paragraph, the word, uh, we're looking at the nature of God tonight. Don't yawn. Okay? You say, boy, this sounds like really a barn burner. Well, we're, I think it is. The word nature is defined by Webster as the inherent character or basic constitution of a person or thing. What God says of himself is the only definitive means we have of understanding God. His nature is revealed throughout the Word of God. Our job is to study His Word to discover His essence. So we're going to be seeing some things about our God. And you say, yep, God's a spirit. Got that one down. Yep, I understand He's invisible. And I understand He's alive. Yep, He's definitely living. Uh, He's self-existing. We kind of talked about that, didn't we, preacher? A little bit. Uh, His imminency. And we're going to talk about that. And that he is eternal, which is, to me, one of uh, the most fascinating characteristics of, of my God is that fact of being eternal. And, and as a result of his uh, being eternal and what it means to you and I. So each one of these is important. We're there in the John 4.24, and probably a lot of you have this verse memorized. It says that, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Father, as we enter into your word, Lord, we always need your help. And I do not say that in vain, Lord. Uh, Without the spirit of God illuminating to our hearts and minds the word, it will not make sense. There will be no meaning, no relevance behind your word. So, Spirit of God, do the job of teaching us this night, and I pray that you'll use this time. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So, the setting of John chapter 4.24 is what? Anybody know it? The woman at the well. So, they're getting into the Samaritan, this Samaritan, this whole principle of worshiping, and they're the half-breeds, and they don't get along with the Jews, and she's still tying together about the Messiah, and about the place of worship, and it's just like, it's not about a mountain, where we worship. It's not a place because he is teaching her God is a spirit. So there is something about our God being uh, the one who is spirit, and the article is, is really not there. Um, you know, A, he is spirit. That's who he is. And uh, you say, now I'm really confused because I thought Jesus is God and he's, well, we're going to get into the Trinity here in a couple of weeks. And I don't, because I don't think I'm going to get this one done tonight. And so we're going to get into um, uh, the theophanies and we're going to get into a lot of these important things of learning about, uh, about Jesus Christ and, uh, and his importance in the, in the fact that he is God. We're going to get into that. But we're dealing with God and, and you might say, well, are we kind of dealing with the Father? Uh-huh, we are. And we also can see, and we're going to be learning about the Holy Spirit also. But here, the, the Son is talking about God to describe and to show to mankind He's not something. He is Spirit. And then if we then are going to worship Him, whether you are Jew, or whether you're a Samaritan, or Gentile, whatever, 
if the only capability that we have of worshiping him in then is in spirit, not through where we're at, not that it's a temple. We're going to get into some of those verses. It's not that it's a a place. It is something that is done inside of you and I with our God. And that's why, folks, it is so important for you and I to not only understand who our God is, but who we are, that we are made in His likeness. Because then, if we say we are going to worship Him because He is spirit, then we also cannot worship physically. It is done on the internal part of every Christian. It is done with the spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 Um, He tells us, I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, I will sing with the understanding also. Even when we worship through music, it is not what we say in the English language. It is not the face we make. You know, it is not, you follow me? God's like, I'm going past all of the visual and looking at the heart, there was a guy. I was uh, this guy is an incredible musician, uh, pianist. The guy was just leading this whole band, you know. And I mean, they just had their whole act together. And uh, one of the preachers on that large church staff, though, he was talking to me. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I knew there was something about this guy. Incredible musician." I mean, he, everybody was saying, oh man, I worship so much when he's leading the music and playing. Everybody's just the greatest thing. But the problem is he was on drugs. <laughs> he was on coke. Yeah, they finally found the guy out, you know? And it's just like, it looked good. It sounded good. But in God's sight, it wasn't good. It's not about the outward and what man is creating us to do. Stimulating us to do. It happens within us. Sometimes we do cry. Sometimes we do smile and there's laughter. Sometimes it's just like your amazement. And sometimes that does show on the outside. But God is still able to look past the tears, physical tears, and to see why the tears. Why are you worshiping Him that way? What is it that spoke to your heart about those words or what you're singing to Him? Or maybe you wrote your own song. And you're singing that song to God because it means something to you, which is a really good thing. I've attempted it, but I'm not good at it. Spirit. So our God is spirit. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 talks about <clears throat> excuse me, the liberty then because of the spirit of God, but there's also this same concept. I'm working on a new Bible, out of a new Bible here tonight, so it's going to take me a little longer than normal. 2 Corinthians 3, and in verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And you'll see how the King James capitalized the word Spirit there. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now since, letter A, I'm number letter A now, since God is Spirit, He is not made of any material. In other words, it's not a thing where we can say, well, he's put together with this and this and this, put together like man, created out of the dust of the ground. We can't put a material. Uh, That Luke 4, uh, 24, 39, um, you'll you'll remember once we're there, about the flesh and blood not inheriting the kingdom. Luke 24. So we're going to build a case here as we're 
moving along here. 24, and this is, of course, uh, Jesus appearing to the men, in particular Thomas here, uh, excuse me, Thomas is absent here in this particular text, and then he proves his bodily resurrection, starting at verse 38, and it says, and he said unto them, why are you troubled, and why do those thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself Handle me a seat, for the Spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. So he's, they're looking at him and saying, you're a spirit. And he's like, you can't do that to a spirit. They don't have the flesh and bone. So when God says he is spirit, it's not something that we could recognize, the, 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 the hands and, and, and the feet and, and these type of things. And we're going to talk about that a little later on. Um, letter B now. The second commandment, back in Exodus, I do want us to turn back to this one and see this in light. Exodus, in chapter 20. And as you well know, this is uh, the Lord giving the Ten Commandments. And we're going to go ahead and read, starting in uh, verse Oh, what do we have marked down here? We can read them all, but uh, verse number four is where we'll pick up. So now we're dealing with the second commandment, and this is where he says, And thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything, now notice this, that is in heaven above, and that is in earth beneath, <clears throat> or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Now I want you to remember those two thoughts, putting them together, the bowing down will be the worship, and then he ties together service. Now if you've not studied this out, you'll see that that was the purpose of the Exodus, was so that Israel, as a nation, could leave Egypt, leave the world, to go out and to serve God and to worship Him, to do sacrifice. They couldn't do it under the bondage of being in Egypt. They were not freed to be able to serve and to worship. And in another place, Jesus talks about that very same thing and tying together worship and service. Now here's the key. Who you're serving, you're worshiping. Who you're worshiping, you're going to be serving. And that's what he is trying to teach here. If it's a rock that you have taken the man hours to chisel it out to make this beautiful image, and then you be able to use that as a medium to go through that to access the gods or that that becomes a god itself, then God says, you have made me who is truly spirit, and you're trying to make him something that is material. How can you ever compare God with a rock. You can't. And that's why the images that even sometimes uh, Christendom has, has adapted and allowed in to almost use as a medium to, to get to God for, for this, this is something that's very sacred to me. And you're going through that, if you will, as a channel then you've, you've minimized and put God down to a level when truly He is transcendent. He is above all of these things. 
So he says, you don't bow down, you don't worship them, you don't serve them, because I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. And then he talks about visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the end of the, fourth, uh, the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So this text shows God revealing that he, is, he cannot be compared to anything mankind would create to portray him. That the one and only true God cannot be made with hands and therefore is not to be worshipped by something that's visible. Idolatry goes against the nature of God, because an idol is something tangible, something that we see, something that's there, and God says, you, by doing that, you have gone away from my very nature, because I am spirit, I am not physical. So that's why God is so upset, you don't make idols, you don't have things that we, that we worship, or that we go to. Of course, Israel would also learn from the, the nations that they would create uh, emblems, uh, symbolic uh, emblems for whatever gods they have out there. And the result is taking the creation again and worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And again, it goes from invisible to visible. And you and I, uh, humanly speaking, it is hard for us to believe and to pray and to, to trust in something that we can't see. We, we want evidence. We want proof. And, and so this is why we, even as Christians, sometimes struggle with, uh, Lord, where are you at times? Where, where is that presence? Where is that? And, and it's almost like if, if the Lord could just come down for a minute and hold our hand, you know, and get us through those trials. Boy, that would be sweet. Just one time, Lord, walk with me. And yet the Lord is promising, I've got my hand, I've got my eyes, I'm seeing, I'm going through these things with you, but it is spiritual. And that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. We can't go into this with just the visual because it goes against the, pre the essence uh, and nature of who our God really is. Uh, there are a lot of comparisons, though, uh, to God having hands and fingers and feet and eyes and ears. Um, here's a list of verses uh, for you. Let's, um, let's look at those. We, you know, there's no hurry, is there? I always get in a hurry. I always think I'm boring people. I do. I do. It's just, this is exciting to me. I, I think it's neat. So we know the background of Hebrews, eh? We ought to. Here are Sunday nights, walking through the book of Hebrews. And uh, we're going back here to the beginning of it and talking about that Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is better than. And we're looking at just this thought that in Hebrews 1 and verse number 10, Then thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. So, did God, when he created everything, use a physical hand, pounding, working, and building to create everything? The answer is, obviously, 
because he said through the Lord Jesus Christ, which I didn't emphasize near enough last week, I should have spent a little more time on that creation, that Jesus Christ is the Word of God, that when he says, let there be light, that is Jesus, literally the Word of God, speaking into existence from absolutely nothing, light, all of this creation matter that we have right here. And so, so here again, God didn't you know, get the, the toolbox out, Let's get the hammer. Let's go get some stuff over here. And let's start working with our hands and making this. But it's figurative of God working and handling. Okay? Uh, also in uh, the Psalms, chapter 8. And here we're looking at verse uh, number 6, if I remember. Psalm 8, 6 tells us, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet. And of course, you are familiar with that psalm about creation of, of mankind and uh, what he has. And there again, it talks about God's hands working and creating uh, these things. Matter of fact, in the same uh, uh, text, talks about his hands also in, in creation. In verse 3, when I consider uh, the heavens, the work of thy, notice this, the fingers. So there's even God's finger talking about him creating as though he is pointing and saying, let it be. But God is his spirit. It wasn't a hand. It was voice. Creating from absolutely nothing, just literally speaking it into existence. And then the first Peter 3 is neat because he talks about two bodily parts, attributing them to the Lord. And we talked about this a couple of Sundays ago. Chapter 3 and verse number 12. Good verse. If you haven't memorized this one, it's a good one to memorize. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So we have three uh, you know, parts that we as humans would understand, the eyes, the ear, and the face, and now it's comparing to God and saying, listen, uh, God is watching, and he is. So the, old, the, the children's song will be careful little eyes, what you see, because the Father up above is looking down in love, right? So we, we see those eyes of the Lord, and they are looking everywhere. Many times he talks about seeing what was going on on the earth. Days of Noah, different times period. God is, in, and it's talking about his awareness. Now, does God have binoculars that he needs to be able to look down at this world to see? The answer is obviously not. And what's neat is God doesn't have this view from heaven, and as he is, is uh, looking down at the earth, he can only see the part of the earth that is pointing up to him. He sees it all, all the time. Every nation, every people, every language, everybody, every race, everybody, with equality, he is stopping, looking and seeing. And then he's listening to the prayers. He hears. And there again, he's not listening to a voice. He's listening to all. I think that's why the symbolism of in the, in the uh, tabernacle, the, uh, the altar of incense 
was this, you know, beautiful smell, this smoke that was ascending up. And God talks about how that is a picture of the prayers of the saints. As though as we are praying, as I prayed earlier, as you pray today, it is as though that, that is just coming up, lifting up to God. And He is able to take it all in. Listening. Uh, the immensity of our God is an amazing thing. I mean, there's no measuring Him. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you can't help get into things like this and not see that subject right here. And that is one of the most amazing things to me is how God cares about you and your battling of cancer, your battling with a job, or battling and you say, well, how could that be important to God? Guess what? It is. And he's caring about the martyrs that are happening in Russia or whatever country, Iraq or whatever country you're looking at, and Christians are, are crying and saying, Lord, save me physically. I may be dying here. They may be killing me because of this, or in, or in India or whatever country uh, you want to talk about. And, and God is listening to them, and he's listening to that little child as they're saying, Lord, I'm really nervous about this test tomorrow. I want to get an A. And God listens to all of them and takes everything that is important to you and I and He listens to it. Don't we have an awesome God? But He does say that those who would do wrong, instead of His face being toward us, instead He says if, if there's iniquity, the sin is there, then he's not watching. He's not going to look. He's, he's not obligating himself to hear and to answer the prayers. It's actually the face then becomes against. It's almost like, buddy, you're going to reap what you're sowing, and he turns his face away from individuals like that. See, these, these are all symbolic of, uh, of our God and, and what he, he is. These hands and fingers and feet, eyes, ears, face, and the list goes on. Okay, got time for one more, I think. Uh, now, since God is spirit, therefore he is invisible, right? So, let's look at some of these verses and see how important this is. <clears throat> and we're in John chapter 1. I'm a lot slower with this Bible. There we go. Uh, let's go ahead and read 16 with it. And of his fullness have we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared, the thought is declared him. So John is Jesus revealing the Father by showing us the Father through what and who he is. As he says later on in this same book, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one in that bond. And we'll talk later on about the unity of our God. And so, um, so here we see that you know it's not like a man can say, oh, there's God. I, I see him. You, you just, it just doesn't work that way. A um, couple other verses, and then we'll talk about it. Colossians. 
Colossians in chapter number 1. Here in verse number 15 tells us, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. What's that mean? Who is this talking about? Who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus Christ, right? So you can see that within the text. Jesus is what we see, who we see, of the one who is invisible. Doesn't that seem to be a contradiction? But it's not. And that's what we're going to get into. Our makeup, body, soul, spirit, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and this whole makeup of who our God is. But here, clearly, uh, our God is invisible. Um, can't see. First Timothy is the next one. A few pages over, chapter 1. And verse 17 tells us, Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, here's the word, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, does anybody know why he broke forth into prayer, praise right there? It's really important to see. Why did Paul, I mean, a lot of the Pauline epistles, the general epistles, uh, don't have a lot of like the Psalms and breaking forth into worship and, and so forth. And yet here we see Paul stopping and saying to, wow, this is my God, the true living God. Why is he doing it in his text? What's he doing? I'm sorry? Okay. He wants you to see it for yourself. From principles from the Old Testament on through. I agree with that. In the text, what's he talking about? I'm sorry? That's right. He wants to give he wants to show you and I how he is worshiping, but why is he worshiping? Yeah, he's talking about what he got saved from. He's talking about his past, who was a person and you know was there murdering Christians and you know he's uh, the least of all the the people that ever should have become a Christian, it's like, man, I can't believe what God would save me. I'm the chiefest of all sinners. And so after he goes through what God did in his life, he begins to worship. When was the last time we thought about what God saved us out of and just stopped internally? You don't have to have a crowd. You don't have to have anybody, just you and God. And you begin to worship him for what he has done to, to save you. Uh, same book, First Timothy chapter six now, and verse numbers. Is that right? Yeah, that doesn't look. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, breaking in new Bibles. First Timothy six sixteen tells us, "Who only hath immortality." Uh, in other words, never die, cannot die. Our God is is immortal, dwelling in light, which no man can approach unto whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. But <clears throat> aren't you and I men, human beings? Isn't our hope like to go to heaven someday? How, how are we going to get there if no man can ever see God, as these verses, no man has ever seen him, 
how, how is it that you and I are going to be capable of doing that someday? I was yeah. That's right. There you go. That's exactly right. Because this represents the sinful nature, the sin, and that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. We we can't get there the way we are. And so, as the songwriter says, this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize, shouting going through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. And so this has to drop. And if it's now, um, uh, separately from rapture, if it's now, absent from this physical body is to be what? With the Lord. So we will see God, but it's not going to be in this flesh. And no man in this flesh can see Him, if I can say it this way, and live. There's places in the Old Testament, and I didn't give you the reference. You have to look them all up in your own. Jacob and other places, it talks about um, Moses. You know, we talked about he saw the, the, the hind, the back side of God. And uh, then you have those times, you know, the angel of the Lord comes, and this was like, oh, I just saw God. It's just like, what, what do you mean? And they were in the flesh, and they had the sinful flesh and so forth. One man said it this way, it wasn't as though spirit God came down, but man saw the glory of God who He truly is in His holiness and His glory, not the actual visible seeing God, but it, it, is, it was the glory and it makes a lot more sense. Because as these verses are clear, we're not going to see God. Not in, not in this flesh. Um, even Paul, as he described going into heaven, um, there was only one thing that he could do as he came back in 2 Corinthians 12. As he came back and said, can't tell you. I can't even put into words what I just saw. So let's not even go there. Um, there is one place right at an individual's death that he said, I see. And it's an interesting, and, and there again, you know, this man, if anybody deserved, it would have been Stephen. And what he saw, though, was what? He saw Jesus. Yep, standing in heaven. Isn't that interesting? See, our Savior is the physical. But you've got to remember, this is in the time of his death. And it's as though he is about ready to drop from that flesh and as James tells us, that the body without the spirit is death. That spirit departs from the physical body, and that's what God says death truly is. And that's why many struggle with when does a person die? You know, how do we know when they're actually dead? You know, guess what? You don't know. We will never know. Because it is not until that spirit inside of man departs from the physical body, and that's when God says that's death. Um, I'll go ahead and say it. That's why some people, you know, they struggle when a machine 
is keeping a physical body going, are they gone already? Guess who knows? <laughs> that's, that's all God's apartment. I don't know. Uh, but uh, once that spirit leaves, God says that's it. And that spirit goes right into the very presence of God, and, and we'll see him. And that's exactly what Steve was, was going through. And uh, it's an amazing thing. Invisible. Uh, we walk by faith, and we're believing in in God. And even earlier, as we pray, our custom is to to close our eyes and to bow our heads, and and we begin to pray. And it's almost that that remembrance as we close our eyes that we can't see Him anyways. It's like we realize this is what's going on inside of me that is happening in a relationship and in my prayer and in my worship of God that is based, as Jesus Christ talked about, that we worship Him in spirit, also in what? In truth, not error. One of the reasons we go through indoctrination is so that we can actually have a relationship with our God that is based on truth, not what I think. Not on something that could be an error. It feels good, it sounds good, but it's not biblical. Therefore, it becomes man-made. It becomes an error. And that's not how we worship God. It must be done with truth. With Jesus, the truth. With the Word of God, that Word is truth. What God has explained to you and I, that's how inside of us we begin to worship. Sonny, next time you come and uh, we're, we're singing and we're worshiping, um, I want you to remember this. Because when we do it God's way, we're not worrying about who's playing the instruments, who you know, is in the choir or who the soloist or you know, whatever. We're listening and the words begin to penetrate us about what the song is teaching us about God. And that's why we, the, the, the singing, and I'm tying that together with worship because we, we sing with the Spirit. And, 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 and in Colossians and, and Ephesians, these places we're talking about the Word of God being on, in us, and it talks about music, and we're to teach one another with songs and spiritual songs. It's actually teaching us concepts about God. And so we begin to learn something, or it's a song that meant so much to you because of something you're going through personally, and you begin to worship. And folks, why is it that we have to go through crisis to really worship? You know, why is it that we have to be driven sometimes to our knees to really appreciate God and what He is and who, what He's doing for us? I'm, I have to put my hand up. I'm guilty. Um, you know, we are on our beds, and as the psalm described, described and, we, and we worship Him. And that's time alone where we're able to meditate when we're waking up, when we're going to bed, and that, that last thought, Lord, I love you. Thank you for, your, for getting me through a day. Answer my prayers. And you just begin to share with God. And um, I was uh, witnessing to a young man, and I was talking to him about a personal relationship. And we use that word personal. It 
gets you and I to say, to realize what I have with my God is unique from what you have with God. Because you have a personality and we're all different. Some of us seemingly are real strong and sometimes some of us, we look at ourselves and we say we're very weak. Sometimes we're this, sometimes we're that. And God looks at us and our personality and who we are and knows us individually, having the very hairs on our head numbered and knowing everything that is going on with us. And what one person may be saying, I don't even have to pray about that, we're bawling our eyes out about it. And yet God says, I love you. And I care. And he is that spirit that works inside of us as we as we pray. Questions, comments. Yeah. And when we are you, you're talking about we, we know Jesus, the vis, visual and then the question would be obvious at, he is seated at the right hand of the Father and the that throne that position there would be that of 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 the fathers, right? And so will we see the Father according to this text what's the answer? Will we see spirit? Uh-huh. So will we see God? Yes. Uh-huh. That's right. As the as the son of and also the son of man. Philippians chapter 2 is your answer who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant in the likeness of man. So God became man, taking on the physical aspects, attributes. Well, there was one time they actually did see him, and which is another text, uh, there again we're dealing with Christology, you know we're telling, talking about Christ, not necessarily the Father Trinity and so forth right now, as we're trying to do right now, so that's what I was saying earlier when we get into the theophanies and the times of appearance of God to, to man on this earth before even he came in birth, there were times that God did come in the person of Jesus Christ, and, and as he came, he took on the flesh and you have the Mount of Transfiguration where the glorified Christ was seen there by Peter, James, and John. They also saw him, you know, after the resurrection, okay? They saw him ascend up into heaven. And what we are taught is, it appears to me clearly, as I see it then, that's how we're going to see Jesus when we arrive. That very same Jesus, and that's why that very same Jesus is going to come back in that Acts chapter 1, it tells us, right? And so, yes, we will see him when he was on this earth. If, if you would have pinched him, it would have hurt, okay? If you pinch Jesus in heaven now, it's not going to hurt. I didn't say you wanted to pinch him. I was trying to illustrate to help you to realize he's in a glorified body and we shall be like him one time, First John 3 and following, okay? That makes sense? Did I answer your question?
Um, I think he talked to Abraham. I think he talked to Adam. I think there were a lot of people that, that God had the audible voice. We have the prophets. Uh, as First Peter, um, where it talks about that uh, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and so forth. So they were listening to the audible voice of God, according to that text. First Peter 1. Uh, ask him someday. <laughs> if, you, if you really think that we in this earth, that's why he says, I have ears, eyes, and a face. How else can we understand spirit without putting, and there's a real big fancy name, I didn't put it on there, but it talks about giving human um, uh, parts to that which is inanimate. It's, it's not like you and I, it's not a body, you know, as we would know, maybe inanimate is not, not the right word, but, but he's spirit. He is, but he's not a nose and ears and mouth. Yes. So he doesn't have those things. No. Second Corinthians 5 tells us when we get to heaven, we will be clothed upon that we be not found naked. That's right now. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. There will be a rapture though. That's when they are going to come back with Jesus. They are going to be reconnected with the transformed body coming up out of the ground, ocean, wherever it's at. And they will reconnect. And that will be the final body. And then we which are alive and remain, our body is going to be changed in that moment. And then we're caught up together with them in the clouds. So they have some type of a spirit body now, but we don't know exactly what that is. But I know, according to 2 Corinthians 5, that they are clothed upon. Any other, do you have any other questions? Okay. Sir. No. That's right. Good point. That's right. He's talking about himself. He's talking about himself. That's right. Don't even make an image of me mm-hmm. because mine cannot imagine nope. who I am. Nope. And the closest thing we know about God, I guess, mm-hmm. under the scripture, is we are made in image. There you go. And when it's talking about the image, it's not only the spirit. That's right. It's talking about the body. That's we right. Have That's right. That's right. Spirit, like soul, you body. Like you That's right. Yep. And, and we will understand it better by and by. Right? That old song. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. Very good. And that's exactly right. And, and God is trying to reveal himself. And how can you, you know, it's like Einstein trying to teach somebody in kindergarten. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like you can't, how does he break down what he knows to a child? And that's not even a comparison to what, who our God is, who's trying to explain eternity himself to you and I and we're like does he have fingernails do you think you know it's like please we we have to understand it goes so beyond what we can in our imaginations come up with so we don't make as you're saying brother things things can't represent the character the essence of who our God is this is a fun subject eh good digging in the word yes ma'am 
I'll answer that if you can explain to me whether Adam had a belly button or not. Um, I, I, I think it was more, you know, I don't know that there was the physical there. I still believe it was the Lord's presence was more of the audible. You know, maybe some of you theologians actually out there know the answer to that, but I don't see it as a physical Jesus is in between them walking hand in hand with them. Um, I, I think that it is more... You know, as he cried out to Adam, it's like the voice was there crying out to Adam, you know, when, when they had partaken of the fruit. Make sense? So that's how I see it. Yeah, I'm sorry? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 literally there in presence. I don't know. I don't know. Brahman, do you have anything of the presence of Jesus walking with them? Yeah, it's just more of the presence. And they knew his presence was there, the voice and so forth. Brian, do you have something to add? Or Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and there again, we can... That's right. And, and even after the fall, remember that God had this audible connection with Cain... Even before he kills his brother, so it's not like Jesus is there looking at him face to face, but this is a voice that is coming that he was familiar with. He wasn't afraid of the voice. He knew. And it was just like, I'm angry, and I'm mad, and I don't like that you liked his and not mine. And Yeah, so that's that's how I see it. That's a good question, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a good point. It's just like they knew God's presence was there, and I'm sure after that, it's like they hear the wind blowing, and the, you know they hear it's like oh, oh, scared to death. I'm sure they're hiding. Yeah. Oh, we could be here all night, couldn't we? Yeah, we. That's the whole principle, and and yet that same principle is here. We know His presence. And it's not a visual, it is a walk by faith. Yep, not by sight. Good. All righty, well, we better stop, and then we'll get into some more uh, next week, okay? Father, bless this time. Thank you for uh, your word. And as we, in our minds, try to pull together the depth of who you are, uh, we, we thank you. And uh, as, as great and mighty as you are, we also uh, do understand that you care for us. And you know us. And uh, nothing is too big and nothing is too small for you. And we're so thankful for that. Bless this time and the prayer time that follows in Jesus' name. Amen.